You're listening to Liturgies of Life, the fifth season of Enacting the Kingdom. Here you'll be joining me and Father Jeffrey as we consider the wider implications of our everyday rituals. From shopping to social media to sports and to the so-called work-life balance, let's explore how the mundane aspects of our daily existence truly become liturgies of life. Doctors as priests. Now, this is going to be an interesting episode, Father Jeffrey. Well, you know what, Father Jeffrey? These are all interesting episodes. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) This one's not going to be more interesting. It'll be as equally interesting as all the other episodes. Um, But for me, for me, it will be more interesting first than some of them. Because this topic I've been thinking about, especially through the pandemic, um, you know, when we look at through history, whether we're all the way back into... um, you know, prehistoric man, you know, that kind of thing, um, all the way up to uh, the, the modern period, uh, the role of the priest or, you know, the shaman or the, or the religious leader was not only one of, quote unquote, religion stuff or spiritual stuff, but was actually one of active healing in the community. Um, there's many of the feasts in our Orthodox life that are associated uh, with healing of bodily ailments um you know in the beginning of august we have the celebration of the cross where the cross is brought out but that comes from a time where there would be sickness in constantinople and they would bring the cross out as this um uh, thing that would help heal people Uh, and then we've we've lived through a pandemic um as many previous generations have lived through various types of plagues and diseases we've lived through our own in in this day and age and there were there were parts that really reminded me of leviticus which is fascinating. You know, people would get, you know, sick with COVID. They might test and they're sick with COVID. So they are declared by the priest in the white robe. You are now unclean. You, you are ritually unclean, which means you are not allowed to participate in the community. You must isolate for a certain period of time. Then after your days are complete, you come back to the temple, to the medical facility. You are tested and verified by the priest in white that you are now clean you are declared clean and you can now re-enter the community and you know that that kind of um that kind of attitude is we think we're sometimes well sometimes when people in our culture read leviticus we think that that is so out there and like how could people possibly be that um religious so to speak but we've had we have the exact same sociological experience now in today's culture with COVID and things like that, um, except that it's not a priest, it's a doctor, right? And that relationship between medical care and spiritual care, I think, is a very fascinating topic. So uh, maybe we'll start with those um, the role of the priest. Let's say in that in the Orthodox tradition. Um, as being one of healing, how do we properly conceptualize that? You know, in the history of of and the development of the Orthodox Church. Yeah, a lot of things um, come to mind, and as you were giving that introduction, there. I mean, for one thing, I think. I mean, we need to be clear at the outset here that you know, at no point even right back to ancient Israel and, and Leviticus and so forth, but certainly through the history of the Christian church, you know, this is not about setting necessarily an opposition up between different forms of 
um, you know, care and cure and, and healing and, and so forth. Um, I mean, what we always and everywhere want to emphasize as Orthodox Christians is that we are not, you know, spiritual beings sort of trapped in bodies, this platonic notion of, you know, the the soul or the, the spirit within the, the human person is the real human person. The body is just this encumbrance that we have to put up with and, and everything. No, we're, we're body souls, right? And in Jewish tradition, even the, the idea of soul wasn't even so much that Greek idea of, of a separate thing from the body. It was just the life of the body, right? So, so Jewish and Christian tradition will always and everywhere emphasize, you know, this holistic dimension to humanity, let alone to illness, let alone to, to health and so forth. So there's always, you know, in any kind of situation going to be a lot of different facets, you know, to something. And the early church, you know, was happy to take up medical practices and, 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 and so forth from, from all kinds of different places. So when early Christians were doing things like starting hospices and hospitals and inventing, you know, a lot of what we would today recognize as, as eventually the, the, the medical practices that, that we have, everything is in play, right? So yes, prayers and anointings and sacraments that, that kind of lead towards healing and even a kind of comprehensive notion that, that sin itself is intricately related with our with our diseases of 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 body and mind and and so forth and so that there's you know there's lots of different ways of looking at things but at the same time drawing on science you know in in whatever form you know that was in ancient times you know the the different humors you know and uh, of the body and the kind of you know you need to let out different um, aspects of, of, you know, whether it's blood or some other, you know, liquid from the body in order to rebalance the, the humor is obviously not at the forefront of most general practitioners, um, you know, minds today when you go in. I don't think they have leeches in the back room or anything in quite the same way that they used to. But the church, you know, would draw on that. But then church also had prayer and, and sacrament and, and, and so forth. And so the, this idea of the integration, the full body soulness of, of our of our reality, I think is an important you know part here. And so we would even resist the idea, for example, that comes very clearly in in the modern period of of kind of saying there's different spheres, right? So so okay, there's a role that church and sacrament and priest can play, and, and it's it's in dealing with the spiritual aspects of things. But we'll we'll give all the physical aspects over to to medicine, to science, to to whatever else. And I think a lot of people today are in that kind of mode of, of thinking, right? So, you know, you mentioned about um, you know what 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 role you know the church or priest could could play, or you know when do we think of that in terms of when we get sick, you know to but we often just do that in a kind of subdivision of sorts of 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 whatever illness into into different things so we'll go see our oncologists who you know for the cancer diagnosis and have the whole treatment thing but alongside that we'll say well there must be a spiritual aspect to this too and I'll go to church you know for that we would resist that i think we would see the whole thing as being much more you know integrated and that means seeing the physical you know, side of what the church is doing. And it's also seen the spiritual side of what, what medical practitioners are doing. And, and that's been the, 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 maybe the really interesting, you know, move here, because even for people who are, you know, not necessarily faithful practitioners of, of one or another religion, 
you know, there's still, you know, because in our conception, if, if we're right about this, we are body souls, we are integrated human beings, even if they're not going to church or to a priest or a rabbi or an imam or whatever the, the case may be, there's still a spiritual dimension to their life and therefore to, to whatever it is they're pursuing. And they're then kind of investing in the, the healthcare system, in doctors, in medical science, the spiritual elements that, you know, would otherwise maybe have been taken up in, in, in past, um, you know, generations by, by other aspects and, and, and so forth, whether it was the witch doctor in a, in a village or whether it was a Christian priest or whether, it, you know, it was whoever. So it's, it's interesting. I, I just think it, it's the, if we start from this place of the integration, the full integration of the human person. I think we're not going to be surprised by seeing the way that modern medicine unfolds in a kind of very religious way, right? It just makes sense that that would be the case, particularly in a society where, you know, traditional forms of religion are maybe being set aside or you know, broken down a little bit in terms of their societal, you know, impact and, and so forth. So your observation about, you know, during a pandemic, how, how um, you know, medical practitioners of all kinds have kind of operated in the way the priests did in ancient Israel is, is it's not surprising, right? It, that's exactly what happens when you have human beings that are body souls and not just bodies on the one hand and, and souls of people, you know, happen to think of them in, in, in a religious dimension. No, everything is always religious, right? And that, that's a function of our humanity. And that's, you know, why we have this series on, on the liturgies of life, because you can't help but be religious at all times and in all places. So let's assume that, let's create a little character here. So this is an Orthodox person who does, you know, believe that, you know, the medical professionals know what they're talking about, but also wants to integrate some of that stuff with their spiritual health and, and, and want to genuinely be um, a good Christian. And let's say they fall ill and you know what, they have to go to the hospital, they go to the hospital. Um, who should they, you know, let's say before they go to the hospital, who should they call first? Should you be calling your priest first? Or should be you calling? Should you be calling your medical professional first? Like, <laughs> how do we approach who we call first um i to be absolutely perfectly honest with your you, wife <laughs> I've heard, yeah, yeah. i mean I've, I've heard both answers from orthodox people um so and i'm sure that this is it's it's not going to be a black and white answer you know I, there's nuances in different situations all the time but i think it's worth exploring because i i think it's important to have those connections with our our priest and things like that but when is the right time to do it and and how do you do it nowadays with our with our medical knowledge and all, all those wonderful things that doctors can can do for us yeah um, so i mean ultimately it's not so much you know first in terms of you know the order of things uh, in that way there's a kind of priority though a, a hierarchy right and I mean, the only answer for a Christian has to be, you know, the hierarchy is the, the values that we take from our Christian faith, right? Uh, so it's not so much, 
I'm going to phone the priest first because I'm going to, you know, prioritize going and, and having a prayer said. And, and that can replace everything that medical science is doing or even, you know, uh, come in before it and maybe, you know, minimize the need for medical science. It's not about that. It's about framing everything in the proper way. What, what is the big story? What is the big narrative here? The big narrative here is that we are already made citizens of the life of the age to come. And we need to live according to that. And every choice, every choice in our life, including the medical ones, has to be set you know, within that. So that's the bigger story. So whether you actually need to make that phone call in that sequence, you know, first to to your your parish priest and then, you know, to your doctor or, or whatever, that's that's almost immaterial here. What you need to make sure is that the large story of your life is indeed framed by the story of God. And if that's the case, well, you can happily make the phone call or go and sit in a consultation with a specialist or, or whatever in, within the, the medical sciences, because everything you're going to hear there is going to be framed within the story of God. And there'll be times where it has a direct effect on how you respond and how that conversation unfolds. So it's, it's very rare in, in dealing with, with medicine that it's a kind of open and shut case. You know, you have this therefore you're going to get this treatment. Usually there are options. Usually there are, are choices to be made. And th those choices weigh up and balance all kinds of different considerations. You know, uh, how old am I? How old are my children? Who, what are my responsibilities? Uh, how is this going to affect the way that I'm able to, you know, kind of carry those out? Uh, all of those things are value questions. They're not just open and shut medical science, you know, questions. Uh, and, and it's not even ethical questions as such in the sense of, well, no, this treatment would be, you know, unethical versus this other one and so forth, because those come into play as well. But I'm just talking about the, the very way that we approach and hear and decide based on our you know, interaction, you know, with medical sciences should be set within the larger frame of, of the story of God. And, and, you know, if you've been reading the Psalms, you will know what the lifespan of a human being is meant to be. And then after a certain point, it's toil and trouble, right? And that's said there. And so therefore it could be that at choose a number, <laughs> high number, uh, a higher number over time, obviously, as medical science, um, you know, intervenes here. But I mean, maybe there's a point where you, you don't go for the huge, you know, life transforming intervention just to prolong biological life, you know, because maybe one of the insights I would hope from that larger story of God is that you have already died in your baptism, right? There's this formality to take place where you lay down this body to, in order to receive the, the body of the resurrection eventually. But the, if we're committed to that, if that's properly our story, that will have huge impacts on not only how we approach medical science, but how we even, uh, you know, prepare for approaching medical science and our own last days in terms of things like, you know, do not resuscitate orders and, you know, what kinds of interventions we would be open to receiving. I mean, this really should be part of every Christian's thinking from a very early age that we start to rethink and don't just take the values from the world around us and don't just take, you know, the, the scientific advice as such, because it's uh, scientific advice ultimately is value uh, neutral, right? It, it can give options, it can give pros and cons and so forth. But what it can't say is that you should or should not at this point 
seek to prolong you know your life those are based on a whole other set of considerations that we receive from our our our, our christian commitment from our our life and community led indeed by that you know, uh, spiritual father or spiritual directors that we have in our life, but by family considerations, all of these things need to be the overriding and governing factor here. So it's not so much, you know, for treatment, I'm going to go to one or the other, or I'm going to play them off, or I'm going to balance them or whatever. It's, it's that there's a story in play. And that's the story that ultimately our faith, uh, is, you know, where it takes priority, it's the, it's at the top of that hierarchy in terms of dealing with anything else, you know, in life. And it's not to say that there's not an awful lot of good to receive from science, from medicine and so forth, but it, 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 it needs a framework. It needs a context. It needs a story to have it on its own terms is to, is to let all kinds of weird things, you know, affect us. The last century has seen just this shift into let's make life as long as possible. Let's make people last as long as possible. And there's no consideration often to the quality of that life, right? It's better in medical or scientific terms to have somebody hooked up to machines artificially keeping them alive than it is to, to, to say, no, I mean, this person has run his course within this earthly frame and is happy to, to now set aside that life in order to receive the fuller life of, 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 the, of the age to come. Science isn't going to tell you that. They're just going to say, yeah, if we do this operation or we put this medicine in or pump the person full of this thing or hook them up to this machine, then that person will keep their heart beating and their brain, you know, waves going. And, you know, that, that's not a, a context for, for, for values or for ultimately deciding what the purpose of a human life is, right? It has to be much more than that. And that's why we have to bring still that, that ultimately more deliberately religious framework around something. It will be a religious framework on its own terms, right? And that's, we've, that's why we've got this religion of medicine now. And as it's practiced with its own, you know, kind of limited imminent frame values and so forth. But we need to set that within the greater context of the story of God. If you're not a patron of Enacting the Kingdom, you're only getting half a podcast. This show only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. When you become a patron, you'll get additional episodes, live streams, and our ever-growing backlog of episodes, 66 at the time of this recording. And as we're social media free, Patreon is the only place to engage with us and others about these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. Broadly speaking, the prosperity gospel, the quote unquote prosperity gospel, which developed in the, in the United States through the past couple of decades, um, the, I'm going to be super broad with this, but then leading into a question about our Orthodox faith father. So broadly speaking, the prosperity gospel would say something like this. Okay, so Jesus dies on the cross, and what he does is he takes on himself all the sickness, poverty, and death of this world. Therefore, we as Christians uh, shouldn't, if we're living a proper life, should not be experiencing poverty, death, and sickness because Jesus has done that for us. He has taken our place. So the idea is that if you're living this Christian life, and you are blessed, you are prosperous, that, that is the proof that you are living a Christian life and you have accepted the cross of Christ. Therefore, you have the pastors who own the jets and the big mega 
whatever, the richest of everything, um, because that's actually a proof of their faithfulness in God. And, you know, when the COVID pandemic hit, there was a, it accentuated a lot of things about our society. And, you know, there are some churches, particularly in the United States, and then the churches outside of that that are influenced by the, this prosperity gospel movement, that, you know, if the government comes in and says, okay, you have to close your church because of sickness, you can imagine how that might hit them. They might say, well, actually, if we close, we are admitting that the cross of Christ is not powerful. <laughs> Right. So we can't close our doors. We have to remain open. We can't put in any restrictions. We have to let people in because that's how we prove that the cross of Christ is is effective. Okay, so that's my preamble to my question, Father. Now, let me get to my question. This um, this mistrust of the medical system has leached into a lot of different parts of society, one of these being the Orthodox Christian world, especially through the pandemic. Um, a deep mistrust has occurred between, let's say, doctors and priests. Uh, that, sorry, people are now mistrusting the, the doctors, right? So there's a false dichotomy between separating, okay, doctors are over there and priests are over here and they do completely separate things. And, you know, I'm not ever going to talk to the doctor because I'm with the priest um, or maybe vice versa. I'm never going to go to the priest because what can they offer? We already know everything through science and things like that. And I guess this is a question of authority, right? We put our trust in an authority and often people think like they have to choose one authority over another authority. And I think that there's a false dichotomy there. And I'm hoping you can comment a little bit about that. Like how do we as Orthodox... I, I, you have been talking a little bit about it, but how do we use both of these sources? You know, what's really interesting in the, the kind of preamble that you gave there, you know, the this idea that we know God's favor ultimately by our prosperity, and that would include health, right? Um, that's a very modern idea, right? That is actually an idea that Christians have taken from modernity, from science, from medicine, from the, the myth of progress that uh, the modern liberal world is, is oriented around. You won't find that in the Bible, really. You know, the Bible tells us that the faithful people are apt to suffer all the more, right? That faithful people are apt to, to be oppressed and cast out and marginalized. The, the Bible tells us that it's in our suffering and exile that we actually come closest to experiencing who God is. The Bible shows us a God who's willing to go to that place in order to know us and be with us and draw us into communion with him. And then it goes on in the apostles to say, we need to participate in that same suffering, right? And to expect it. You know, why is the servant greater than the master and so forth? So there's a whole picture there that is not one of prosperity gospel um, at all. So the prosperity gospel is a mirror lens to modernity and to specifically to this idea that, you know, the, the, the faithful will prosper, will be healthy, will have a long life and so forth. The Bible tells us kind of the opposite. And so what does that mean? Um, it means that Ultimately, as Orthodox Christians, as I was saying before, we need to wrap what the modern world, in all of the good points that it has, and all of the advances and so forth that it has in science, in a much richer, more nuanced you know, picture. Of course, the Bible 
and our faith ultimately lead us to a place of health and wholeness and where every tear is wiped away. But the way to get there is not to buy into a myth of progress or this kind of, uh, you know, the Christian version of it, which is stay faithful and God will bless you with, with length of life and, you know, and so forth. Of course, there's, there's a hope for that. You know, we still pray that people will be healthy. We don't pray for the opposite. We pray that they will have children around their table, like olive shoots and so forth, that they'll see their, their children's children. No, not their children's 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 children or anything like that. You don't have to live so long as that, but grandchildren is, is an okay thing to pray for and so forth. But the way we integrate the two, right, to overcome that dichotomy is to set everything that, that human beings are able to accomplish and the remarkable things in medicine and, and science included within a much richer, fuller, longer term, transcendent, you know, outside of just the imminent frame of, of this life perspective and, and, and story and so forth. And what sadly, you know, you know, both those prosperity gospel types and the orthodox that you mentioned that, that maybe buy into this notion that, you know, almost like an anti-science thing, but it's still a mirror of that, that myth of progress and, and, and so forth. But that says, well, no, I don't need that because I have God and God will protect me. And I will not, you know, viruses can't affect me because it's, it's a sacrament or because it's church or because it's same. all kinds of things came out, you know, during the pandemic, but they're, they're all the same thing, right? Which is saying that ultimately the, the whole point is to avoid suffering or is to avoid, uh, you know, death and to prolong life as, as long as possible and, and so forth. I mean, we need to understand that in doing that, we're buying into a religion that is framed around, you know, modern science and medicine and, and why, more widely, you know, the liberal modern project and, and, and so forth. And that's ultimately what's happened, right? Religion, the, the, the Latin meaning of that word is actually about social bonds, right? It's about what we make sacred in a society that, that holds us together. And we have properly, in all of those different modes, whether it's, you know, doctors who have just bought into their own rhetoric or politicians more likely who have taken science and misappropriated and imposed it, you know, on people or whether it's the prosperity gospel types or whether it's Orthodox who have this kind of superstitious belief that they can replace all of that with something that does just the same thing about keeping health, you know, protected and so forth. It's all this new form of religion around making health the, the dominant um, value ultimately, right? There's a, there's a thing called, um, uh, discourse analysis, which is a kind of sociological, uh, framework for kind of understanding how societies work, right? And it's about, you know, what's in play in a society? What, what are the interactions leading to? How are people behaving? What are they valuing ultimately? And within discourse analysis, they talk about a uh, hegemon, right? That the things that kind of emerge that are the kind of dominant part of discourse, the dominant part of the way people live together that are imposed either by a kind of powerful elite or they might emerge, you know, just kind of from the collective and so forth. Well, in our society, and if you were observing this with completely objective eyes, you would say from a discourse analysis that the hegemon today is health right? In all of its aspects, everything from mental health to exercise, to diets, to, to the, you know, making people live as long as possible and, 
you know, the obsession that we have on every side with health. Health is the hegemon of our society. And therefore, it is the thing that even though people look very different and have different approaches to this, it still creates that religio, the religion, the, the social bond between everybody, right? And we have all of us have our priests, whether it's, you know, health gurus, or, you know, we're, we're using, you know, the Peloton or the CrossFit or, we're, you know, Apple Fitness or, or whatever, or whether they're following certain, certain diets and, 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 and so forth, whether it's, you know, alternate day fasting, or whether it's, you know, the kind of primitive diets of, of just focusing on, 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 on meat rather than carbs and things like that. I mean, all these things are all one thing. And it's a religion in which the, the hegemon is health, right? And, and all those things that you mentioned are kind of fit into that. Well, we need to have a different hegemon is my point here. The hegemon of an Orthodox Christian is not health, actually. Health is a good byproduct of looking after yourself and you want to preserve that for as long as possible. Why? Because you want to be able to participate in liturgy and, and preach the gospel and live a life as fully as possible. But health is not the hegemon. When health is taken away from us, it does not take one thing away from us as human beings, right? And it, it, this not having that as the hegemon allows us to see things like disability in a new light, right? That that can be as much a revelation of the glory of God, as it says multiple times in the Bible, as, you know, a, a life of somebody who's perfectly healthy and so forth, right? The hegemon for us is the kingdom of God. And we need, that's, the, that's what I was trying to get at earlier when I said, you know, you need to have something in mind when you go to see a doctor or indeed you know, a fitness coach, or indeed, you know, a dietitian, or indeed, whoever else who's going to help you, you know, look after things. And even all the philosophies that surround this are the same thing as well. You know, you've said before about your interest in the, the minimalists and so forth. Well, that's all part of the same thing about achieving a healthy way of living, right? And that's where health is, is the hegemon. Now, you can listen to them and take a lot of wisdom from them. And we've talked before about how they actually connect to great wisdom traditions of the past and so forth. But that's to set them and everything else into this wider framework where the hegemon is God himself and his kingdom and everything else needs to, to kind of fit into that. And I think using this model allows us to diagnose, you know, everything from the, the dangers of a prosperity gospel to an overly religious um, power and authority given to either scientists or healthcare professionals or indeed the politicians who manipulate them in you know for us or indeed the superstitious orthodox who who believes that you know health will be preserved by by particular practices and, and so forth none of that is as important as the kingdom and if we keep our eyes focused on that then i think all of, everything else can find its proper place within that hierarchy thanks for listening I'm Father Yuri Gladio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning, and I'm joined on this show by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Come connect with us on Patreon with any thoughts and follow-ups about this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time.